0: Late Nights with Sarah-Jane King. Join the conversation.
1: Okay, now, last week I attended a book launch in town for a book that I think needs to be compulsory in all schools in South Africa, not just for school-aged children, but for their parents too. It's called Skin We Are In, and it's written by acclaimed South African writer Dr Sindhiwe Magwana and American anthropologist Professor Nina Jablonski. The book, which has been published in 10 South African languages, talks about the evolution of skin colour following the young following the young Njabula as he ponders the colour of his skin and that of his friends. Crucially, it teaches that skin colour is not related to other physical or behavioural attributes of a person. As I say, I think it's a hugely important book and after the launch I was lucky enough to catch up with the authors Mamsindwe and Nina Jablonsky. Welcome, uh, both of you, to the show, and thanks so much for agreeing uh, to speak to us about this incredible book. I was at the launch the other day, uh, and the atmosphere was just, it was fantastic. It was a a really diverse crowd, uh, lovely to see some young people there. Uh, The book is called Skin We Are In, and uh, I, having attended the launch and having taken the book home and and read it, um, I think this Book should be compulsory in all schools in South Africa. Uh, it should also be compulsory reading for uh, for parents of uh, of learners. Um, but I'm fascinated to know, and if I could start with you, um, Nina, if where did the idea for the book come from?
0: Well, the idea for the book actually came out of a lecture that I gave in South Africa many years ago, in 2010, and and. After the lecture, uh, people came up to me and said, you know, this would really make a useful book for kids. And at that time, I was in the process of working on a book for adults, and I really hadn't given any thought to writing a book for kids. But that's really how it started. After I finished the book for adults, I thought, well, really, a book for kids in South Africa that is just the ticket. That is really what is needed. And so over the course of time, I started talking this up. And uh, through my association with the Stellenbosch Institute for Advanced Study, I talked to my wonderful colleague Njibulo Ndebele. And Njibulo gave me the wonderful suggestion of approaching Sindiwe Magona, as a co author, because I said, you know, I really need an authentic voice. I cannot, as an outsider, talk to children in South Africa about this interesting topic and controversial topic. I need someone who can speak to them as a South African. And so, I had the great good fortune of getting linked up to Sindhiwe and then to a wonderful illustrator who I know very well in the United States, Lynn Fellman. And we took it from there.
1: That's wonderful. And, uh, Mum, Sindhiwe, if I can ask you, uh, what made you want to be involved in this project?
2: Oh, initially, I didn't. (laughs) I was very scared of the project, precisely because, you know, skin color is so important and has done so much harm and hurt in the country is not something that one can just trifle with so i thought and, and i don't understand science i'm not a science a, a science at all but when i met nina and she explained everything it made such sense and there was so much i learned just over lunch and, and she gave me her paper and things like that and i understood things i knew you know, vaguely, but now I understood them as truth and the simplicity of it and how little it means in real, in real life. You know, when you take the whole human being, I, to hear that skin color is 1% of the human being, 1%, These startling truths made me think, though I was scared of doing it, I should. And I was very lucky, just God guided me.
1: You told a lovely story at the launch the other night about how you came to realize how you would make the story uh, accessible for, yeah. for children. Would you share that again with us?
2: Well, the thing is, I, as I say, it was clear to me that it had to be done. I just didn't know how to start and where I would start. I met Nina, came back, walked in, you know, into the yard, walked you know, past the gate, and as I'm reaching for the post box, there is a chameleon, and I watch it, and it changes color right before my eyes. And I thought, wow, that's what this child is going to be thinking. He is bothered about color, you know, the color of his skin, and he's, you know, drank the poison in this country that it means something, it means it has value, it means ability, it means it, and he's going to wish he could change color, and then the. The grown-up is going to, you know, ease him out of that into real knowledge through the science.
1: It's a, it's a beautiful way of, of and explaining. And I've never seen a
2: chameleon again in my, That's in my, incredible. In my yard. It's,
1: it's incredible. That must be divine intervention. <laughs> divine <laughs>
2: intervention. A God-send. Yeah, Honestly, exactly. The book needed to be born.
1: Yeah, yeah, Nina. Let's talk science uh, just yes. just for a little bit. And you gave uh, such a great explanation uh, the other day uh, about why we are different s- skin colours. Could you could you tell us again?
0: Yes. Well, the simple fact is that. Our skin color is related to the intensity of the sun in the place where our ancestors evolved. And so if we are originally from South Africa or close by or in really quite an intensely sunny place, uh, then we are likely to have very darkly pigmented skin that has a lot of protective sunscreen in it. Melanin pigment is just supremely good at shielding us from the the damaging ultraviolet rays of the sun. People who live outside of the tropics and even closer to the Arctic and Antarctic circles have much lighter skin because it's actually important for some ultraviolet radiation to enter the skin in order to make life-giving vitamin D, which is necessary for maintaining health, for maintaining the strength of our skeletons, for maintaining our, our abilities to reproduce healthily as humans. So skin color grades or is a gradient from dark at the equator to light near the poles, and it all is related to being a selective filter for ultraviolet radiation.
1: So really, and, and I love the way that you explained this, and you, you were asked a great question uh, by one of the young learners at the launch the other day, which was, what's the difference between skin colour and race? And although the question was asked uh, probably by one of the youngest people in the room, I think a lot of us adults um, were, <laughs> were sort of hanging on your every word, um, because I'm not sure that we really, we, we know. We know about the history of, of uh, South Africa. We know about the legacy of apartheid, but... How often do we actually sit down and ask that question? Mm-hmm. Is skin color uh, and race, are skin color and race the same thing?
0: Yes, precisely. You know, and we think about these things, and we're we're raised in this environment where we think that they are synonymous, but in fact, they're not. And it's really important to recognize that skin color is just one aspect of of human appearance. And one aspect of appearance that was created by a few scientists and philosophers over 250 years ago to be clustered into categories called races. These categories don't exist naturally. They were assembled by people who looked at a very, very limited number of human beings and said, oh, yes, okay, we have this skin color and this hair texture and this eye color and this head shape all together. will make them into a particular race. But it was done entirely arbitrarily. And this is what most people don't realize, is that race was constructed by, by a few people who had an awful lot of authority. So skin color... And all of the different characteristics that we associate with different groups of people or, uh, in, in older terms, with races, all of these different traits are dictated by different sets of genes in the body that don't associate with one another. So that the fact that you have hair color of a particular uh, of a particular color and hair texture in a, of a particular texture doesn 't mean that those two are related, nor does it mean that they 're related to eye color, skin color, or the shape of your toenails so all of these different features that have been used to classify people and put them into races are artificial. Constructs—they don't exist as a cohesive reality, as a unity.
1: Mm, yeah, let's just take that in for for a moment. I think that is such a, such an important uh, such an important point, Mamson Why is this such an important book for South Africa now, uh, at this time uh, in, in our growth as a democracy?
2: Because unfortunately, systems perpetuate themselves. We all got giddy with excitement, and it was warranted that apartheid had come to an end. But the people who lived through apartheid were parents and grandparents, and we have passed on some of the attitudes that we we clung on and believed in during apartheid to the new people, the post-apartheid uh, generation. And it, it's going to take a conscientious effort on all South Africans to rid ourselves of that kind of poison of the mind, of the heart, of the soul. Soul, And this book is one of the instruments, an important instrument that can be used, because especially as it is directed to, you know, the, 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 the target market are the children. And if we can help the children when they are young to be free of the prejudice of race, both towards one another. But more also importantly, towards the self. Everybody deserves the right to grow up feeling good about themselves, feeling good about who they are, who they were made to be. And if you, if you start believing something about natural you is wrong and has implications, that's damaging beyond repair. People have huge complexes of inferiority and other things only because they believe the color of their skin means A, B, and C, which it doesn't
1: this story uh, the book is is particularly pertinent to me as the child of uh, of a mixed-race relationship my father is a black South African from Limpopo and my biological mother is a white British woman who who had an affair during apartheid obviously against uh, morality laws at the time and because of my the color of my skin uh, I had to be secreted out of South Africa uh, and raised in the, and raised in the UK and it was only uh, when I was older that I was able to return uh, to South Africa so th- if there had been a book like this for me uh, when I was younger I mean I think it would have just been uh, such an enormous gift and I'm so grateful once again that you know when I have children uh, and I have to explain to my children why certain people hold certain views why it was uh, that their their mom couldn't be raised in the country where she was born uh, why that is what I love about the book is that you've included um, uh, a number of uh, black role models, and we don't see that in children's literature very often. Um, If you could both just speak a little bit to that. Well, we really, really wanted this book to speak
0: to every child in South Africa. And so, you know, we worked hard to, you know, to give beautiful, uh, vibrant role models in every color. And, and we worked hard to nu- nuance their, their hair and their skin color, everything about them, so that they would look as, as well, happy and vibrant and childlike, still in their curiosity and consternation, but so that they would look real. And then Cindyway gave them real things to say and think about. So we agonized over, you know, every gesture, every tone of skin color, and I think we ended up with a good suite of characters.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, I did, and I, I love, uh, I love how you've presented, uh, how you've presented the cover of the book even, which is just, which is just wonderful. Uh, Mum, Cindy, where well, you said something the other day that really stuck with me. You said political change is not the same thing as social transformation. No. And I, I nearly stood up in my <laughs> where I was sitting, uh, and uh, and said, "Praise God!" Because I just thought it is such that is such a crucial point. And when we hear people talking about, oh, well, you know, we need to forget the past and move on, or uh, another one that we, how do you move
2: on? Exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. Perhaps you could speak on that a little bit more on on, on that comment you made.
2: it, it, it really astounds me that um, we all just. Well, I didn't, but most of us felt that end of apartheid and we will be made anew. How? Nothing in the, you know, that is political comes into your house and changes the way you feel about yourself, the way you think about yourself. And if you have never made goals, uh, you know, in your life, you're not going to suddenly make goals in your life. And if you are a, a, a young person, uh, born of parents who have never walked the road of schooling and going through primary and high school and and tertiary, you have nobody to lead you. Children need grown-ups who can be role models. And when we came to our democracy in 1994, if I'm not mistaken, around 70% of black black South Africans were barely literate. Mm. Now we are, we just kind of stood back and expect that 70% to nurture children in ways that would make them catch up. We are never going to catch up that way. Mm. We need to wake up to our deficits of the past without blame, without accusation, without rancor, and just say, how do we heal ourselves as a nation? It's everybody's business to raise the next generation in a way that enables them to become, you know, citizens of the country, of the nation, who can participate meaningfully in democracy and have lives that are worth having and contribute to the life of the nation, make a real contribution. Right now, look at how much we give as grants. You can't go on like that. Instead of grants, we need to nurture people to be self you know supporting and able i 'm not saying the poor shouldn 't be helped Help them to not become poor don 't help them don 't maintain them in poverty mm. mm. there 's a difference between maintenance of pro- poverty and alleviation total alleviation and uprooting of poverty.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You said also the other day something that uh, that I've been saying for a really long time. We seem to hear uh, a lot these days uh, of people, uh, and I don't know whether they say it to convince themselves of it, but they say children don't see colour. Children are, are, are colourblind. colorblind oh, that children... makes me so angry. Me too. <laughs> me too. Of course children see
2: colour, they're not blind. And colour is obvious. It's, the, it's one of the first things you notice about a human being. Why wouldn't they see colour? What children don't see is meaning in colour. That is what we teach them. Mm. Mm. When Precisely. a child sees a different coloured face for the a black child in the village sees a white face, they scream. They think something is wrong with the person. When I get on a plane in Amsterdam, I have seen this. Children's eyes go growing, you know, huge and one screamed. I'm not offended. You tell me this child has never seen a black face before. Now, the duty of the parent is to get these doors that are all colors and playfully just say, oh, when the child looks amazing, yes, there are people like this and a different color. This, They learn colors. Colors are exciting to children, but don't attach meaning, don't attach value to color. That's where we go wrong. Children don't attach value. We
0: teach
1: them that. Nina, did you want to uh, to want to add something to that?
0: Well, and just really to add to what Cindyway has said, that that what children pick up on is very subtle. Parents don't have to even talk about colour; they mm. just have to. Uh, respond to people Mm. of different color in slightly different ways and Mm. kids will pick up on it instantly absolutely and so you know that they 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 take these suggestions and they recognize oh dear oh this has meaning what does it mean Mm. and what skin color becomes then is predictive of destiny, and that is what we must eradicate. That skin color, as Cindy Way said, is not our fate. It is something that we we evolved because we were at particular places at particular times in the past, and it was important in our skin, and that is it. And so what we really hope through this book is that we can have another revolution in this country led by children. Um, We've seen, we have seen youth have terrific power in the history of this country, and that's what can happen again. You know, the adults haven't been doing that special a job, as, as wonderful as as the democratic revolution was, you know, it has not fulfilled all of its aims. We need to reinitiate the Rainbow Nation in a new way, and I think we have a chance.
1: I, I'm, I, this is a topic I could talk about forever, and, and, and on that, on the idea of the role of parents, uh, I wrote uh, wrote a book last year, a memoir, about my experience as a transracial or biracial person uh, born in South Africa and raised in the UK and coming back and, and being an adoptee raised by white parents. And I've had a lot of white parents who also now in South Africa have adopted black children, and they often ask me, what, what can I do? What can, How can I make my child uh, feel that their colour is beautiful? And I said, well, you first of all have to start by looking at who you surround yourself with. If, exactly. the, if the only black faces that your children are seeing are the people who fill your car at the petrol station uh, yeah. and the domestic worker who makes the bed, then you, you're going to have a real problem. Yeah. Um, and, and it's my view that if you are going to uh, raise black children, uh, you, you need to be aware uh, of, of the importance of, of letting those children have mirrors.
2: we have failed ourselves as a nation.
1: Yes. That, you know,
2: more than 20 years into the new dispensation, we still live and fraternize the same way as during apartheid. Yeah. Nobody's asking you to make, uh, you know, to to make false friends. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. False friendship. But, you know, broaden your scope, broaden your life. Go to churches, you know, invite people, make... Make the effort. Join clubs that are not mono- monolingual and monocolored. And you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. You, can, you can find ways if you want to. It begins with what you want to do with your life, how you want to stretch yourself and broaden yourself in this country at this time and be truly South African. And it is such a freeing and beautiful thing when you do.
1: One final question for you both. What is your hope uh, for this book?
0: I hope that it can go forward, that it can be a path forward, that it will get into the hands of many children, parents and teachers, and that it will be a focus for discussion. This, This can... This can really affect change if people start talking about it and if kids just begin to think about themselves a little bit differently. As Cindyway said, if they can think about themselves as positive social actors, that their color is immaterial, this can happen individually and collectively, and the more that it can happen in groups of people, groups of multicolored people, the better it will be.
1: Mamsindiwe, a final word from you.
2: exactly how I feel. I think this book is going to bring back the way South Africans felt when we first went to vote as one. Mm. This book is going to remind us that we are one.
1: Uh, Dr. Cindywe Magona and uh, Nina, Professor Nina Jablonski, thank you so much, uh, not only for speaking to us, uh, but also for writing this incredible book, which uh, I'm holding now and I will treasure, I think, for a very, very long time indeed. Once again, thanks so much for joining us. Thank, thank you. you.
2: Thank you and good night. Good night. Good night.
0: SMS Sarah Jane now on 31567.